When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Their premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? AAA Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians. If you're the best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to $100,000 plus a year at AAA Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years' experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company-provided take-home vehicle and gas card, company-provided cell phone and tablet, health, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy and Dana Finley at 803-677-1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Triple A air when you need us. Triple A heating and air. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark. The 2007 South Carolina class was, at that time, sixth in the country and fourth in the SEC. It's just amazing. Wes Mitchell. You know, I think if you're South Carolina, you're you're aiming to, to at least be at 50%. Then in theory, you're adding talent, you're getting better, you're putting yourself in a position to compete. And Tyler Head. It's been a great week for South Carolina. On the recruiting front, still certainly plenty to talk about. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. And welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on 107.5 The Game. Tyler West and Chris along with you. <clears throat> Thanks once again to on Joiner for joining us for today's edition of the Garnet Trust Hour. If you missed any of that conversation, I'll have it up shortly on the 107.5 The Game podcasting page. And obviously, guys, we spent a lot of time talking about DK at the running back position where he's been throughout the entire spring and sounds like he's enjoying it and it's going pretty well so far for him. All I got to say is 222 pounds. Whew. My man is ready. We learned many things, I feel like, um, but that was one of them. And I mean, seriously, Wes, you remember you went, you saw to carry on in high school at camps. You saw him on the field playing for Fort Dorchester like, he looks noticeably bigger than he was. I mean, everybody to a degree, some big more than others, fills out from the time they're in high school to college. You know, you think of Lyman, really anybody, but his physical development has been crazy. Listed at 212 on the official roster, so we knew that he had gotten bigger, you know, from the time he was a freshman to the time he was a fifth-year senior, but 222. Do you remember what he was listed at in high school? I'm going to guess uh, 180. Listed 190. Okay. I think that was a little bit generous. I think so, too. At the time. It certainly it I, I think like he would it. tell you. I think he'd probably tell you that. <laughs> yeah. A little 190. Generous. That's probably generous. But 212. I actually, I mean, 222. Yeah. Uh, not to shortchange him. I I believe him. Like, he, he's very well put together. And it's going to serve him well. I don't know, y'all. So, we always do these, like, post-interview what do you call them? Breakdowns. What we learned. 
what we learned. I just trying to figure out how to put this in words. I feel like they're I feel like the carry on was sitting there almost uh sandbagging a little bit. <laughs> like I, I feel like he thinks he's got something for this season. Because he had a great spring at running back while having a newborn and not being healthy. And y'all saw him light up when he talked about finally being healthy. So he made the transition he did to a new position, including all that other stuff. So put him healthy with a full night's rest. And I I think it really sets up well for him to have a big final season at South Carolina. Well, and and I think that's gone kind of underreported, under-discussed that last season. I mean, he he sat here and talked about it. He was not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, he, in fact, he said this is the healthiest he's been since probably 2019, which is true. That's that's three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're thinking about why hasn't the carry on joiner made a bigger impact, there there are a lot of reasons for that, right? One of them is maybe usage or should have been put at this spot or that spot, just played more. But certainly the the health has been one of those things. You look at last season, it was the same conversation in a lot of ways, right? You know, why is he not playing more? And really, y'all, he had like three different injuries he was dealing with last season, all Mm -hmm. kind of independent of each other. And even in the Florida game, he mentioned Vandy, but Florida is the game that Wes and I always talk about is, you know, when he had the trick play and scores the touchdown on special teams, he looked explosive on that play, really the most he had all season. And now you start thinking about, okay, he still wasn't healthy that, doing that. You, what we saw in the spring, the limited sample size in the spring practices, the spring game itself, he still wasn't healthy then fully. And all the other circumstances that Wes mentioned, you know, first time playing the position, not sleeping a ton. So he, he does seem excited, and I think South Carolina fans should be excited too. Well, and how big is it for him or for somebody like him and – Obviously, it's not a completely clean slate because most of the offense is going to stay the same, just a little bit more streamlined with Dow Loggins. But but having this Swiss Army knife versatile piece like him that you can really plug in and play anywhere. And obviously, the focus right now is at the running back position. But I got to imagine D'Lo looks at him and sees a lot of different opportunities of what he can do with DK. Absolutely. And they, you know, I don't want to say they were lucky, but they it, it was fortunate <laughs> that you have a guy like that on the roster because... Um, your running back room with him in it is, um, you know, like Hardesty said, you know, he's like, hey, there's what three scholarship guys, and then DJ Braswell comes in, then you're gonna have your fourth. So uh, the position is fine if you look at it like that. But if you didn't have a guy at wide receiver who is as talented and versatile as DK is, then yeah, you you probably have a much different conversation, and you're looking at man, trying to go out there and maybe add two from the portal versus trying to add kind of that. I think right now you're kind of trying to add that cherry on top, like big play difference maker out of the portal at running back potentially. But um, it, it just sort of, it, it has, having a guy like to carry on Joyner has always helped your overall team depth because he can just do so many different things. Yeah, I think he really has single-handedly changed the outlook for the running back room because 
you know, that that was certainly one of the question positions, one of the need positions going into spring. And we knew that, you know, they could have gotten out of spring. I've said this before. And Juju McDowell and Mario Anderson and DeCarion Joyner could have all looked great. They were still going to look in the portal for running back help, regardless, just from a depth standpoint, really, or just to see if you can get someone who's even more entrenched as a, as a previous starter at a big-time school, something like that. But the fact is the staff seems to feel better. Not like it's totally settled, everything's totally great, but they, they seem to feel better about the running back position. And I think because of the progress of their guys, because they know generally what Juju Medal can do, Mario Anderson showed some things that they think he can probably make a successful transition to this level, and then Joiner, who, I mean, I, I I was curious to see what DeCarion was going to say when I asked him, did you surprise yourself with how easily you made the transition? Because he is a confident guy. So I, I really didn't know what he was going to say. It wouldn't have surprised me if he's like, no, I'm not surprised at all. But he was That's like, what yes. I actually thought he was going to say. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. But he was like, no, nah, uh, yeah, it, it did surprise me. Like, day one to day two, he felt like he made a huge leap, and it seems like his quick picking up of the position surprised everyone, including himself. Speaking of getting somebody from the transfer portal, and I know Beamer talked about it um, yesterday to the media a little bit, you know, the, the ideal time to have bring these everybody in that you're going to get from the transfer portal would be before team activities resume. I believe that's the day after Memorial Day, so just over a month away from now. So as far as timetable goes, I got to imagine they're going to pull somebody. It's got to be in these next couple of weeks, right? Yeah, ideally... And I think every school is, for the most part, on that same timetable. You want to get the guys in. Now, here's the thing. This this thing really, truly, as much as they can try to put these windows in there um, where you can enter it, it never truly ends. You have guys who graduate and enter the portal, and that affects the timeline of these things. If, let's say, for example, a guy is a graduate and he enters in July for some reason and he's good enough, he's going to have some suitors. But certainly the guys that have already entered during this spring window and are out there taking visits and doing all these different things, then yes, I, I think you can see where um, if you're South Carolina or really any school, you'd want to go ahead and get them in, get them acclimated. Going through uh, summer workouts used to just be more about actual summer workouts. Now, the way the NCAA has changed the rules, there's a lot of different things you can do um, with the team itself in terms of installing plays and installing your scheme. So all those things are very helpful if you can get that transfer portal guy in. And it's almost like a uh, additional traditional spring practice that you have during the summer now. And I think that rule change and the fact that as coaches and players you can now do a little bit more together or actually a good bit more together on the field you know it's not like you can go out there with a ball and have padded practices in the summer that's not what you're doing but they can work together more than they used to be able to I think that is really helpful when you look at the fact that South Carolina is bringing in a new assistant coach who did not go through spring with his players Travian Robertson is going to give him time to get more acclimated with his position group, you got to remember too, I mean, Travian Robertson has not coached with these other coaches. So it's about the coaches getting to know each other and being cohesive, which I don't think will be a problem, but also Travian bringing in some of his techniques, everybody getting used to each other. And that will probably ease their transition when you get into preseason camp in August. 
Speaking of Travian Robertson, on the other side of the break, we're going to be speaking to former South Carolina defensive coordinator Ellis Johnson, who did preside over the defense when Travian Robertson was a player here a little over a decade ago. We'll get his insights on to what he thinks of Robertson, both as a player and as a coach, and uh, hear what he has to say about it. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. Firehouse Subs has a daily medium sub every single day of the week for $7.99. Today, last I checked, is Thursday, which means you can get the spicy Cajun chicken. Again, $7.99 for a medium, $5.99 for a small. But we always go with the medium here at our, on this show, uh, firehousesubs.com, Firehouse Subs app. Hit the rapid rescue. Uh, if you've got a abbreviated time for lunch, I can't tell you enough how efficient it is to throw it in on the app. Go pick it up. Go enjoy whichever sub you like the most. Uh, again, Thursday is spicy Cajun chicken. And then enjoy the rest of your lunch. So, again, Firehouse Subs, firehousesubs.com, and get that Firehouse Subs app rapid rescue today. On the other side, Ellis Johnson <clears throat> talking about South Carolina's new defensive line coach. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs here on 107.5 The Game. Tyler Head, Wes Mitchell, and Chris Clark. Uh, it's a mouthful. Chris Clark along with you on this uh, Thursday morning. We head out to the Love Chevrolet phone lines now and welcome in former South Carolina defensive coordinator Ellis Johnson talking a little bit about South Carolina's new defensive line coach, Travian Robertson, who, of course, was a former player for him during his time here at South Carolina. And, Coach, I just want to ask you, what was your reaction when you initially heard that hmm, Coach Robertson was uh, returning here to take the D-line job? Well, I was tremendously excited that, I will say this, if uh, anybody should talk about Travian Robinson from our previous staff, it would be Brad Lawing because he recruited him, uh, he developed him, and he coached him uh, all four years and just did an awesome job. But I was, I was just tickled to death. I think it's a great hire by Shane. Uh, I really liked Jimmy Lindsay, a uh, really good football coach, a great guy. Uh, but I think this is a really good fit for Carolina. And uh, Travian – He's, he's taken a path that I think really has probably enabled him to become a better football coach at this young age than a lot of guys. You know, some of these guys get out of NFL or out of the Power Five programs and they want to go get a job somewhere where they can go on all the bowl trips and things. Travion went where he could get his hands on coaching and recruiting. And uh, I think he's more than ready. And I think he's a great fit for the situation. And I think Carolina just got better. Coach, uh, Chris Clark here. Thanks again for joining us, especially on shorter notice. Hope you're doing well. Uh, so let's go back to Travian's playing days for you. Now, I know, like you said, Coach Lawing recruited him in the 2007 class. That was one cycle before you got here to South Carolina. But you did see him as a young player, you know, in, in I guess year two here at South Carolina. W what do you remember about him in his younger days as a player, and how did you see him develop? his game uh, while he was playing here? Well, it, even when he was a younger player, he was very mature, tough, physically tough. Uh, we had a lot of great leaders 
in that period of time, some of those guys that played for us were tremendous leadership. Uh, but on the field, actually on the field during practice and kind of the environment that a coach wants out there uh, with when you're going through drills or anything you're doing, you know, you kind of got guys that are on the field leaders, maybe not that vocal, but they're guys that uh, the other players look to and notice their work habits, their attitudes, their effort, uh, those type things. And I thought Travian and Cliff Washburn, in my memory, were the two guys, those guys for us. Uh, they both just tremendous work habits. And, and I, I think it, I think it rubbed off on the other players, quite frankly. Uh, the other thing I think is very important about Travian, a lot of people didn't realize he played with a really serious injury on his, one of his knees and he couldn't even practice a full week most of his senior year. And, uh, you know, he, he worked his way through it, played with pain, and uh, it wasn't anything that was going to be dangerous or making it worse, but it was something that, you know, couldn't be fixed at the time unless he took time off the field. Being a senior, he didn't want to do that. So he played with that injury, and, and uh, I think, you know, it was a, a big example to the rest of our players. Our scheme of defense, you know, the edge players – and the perimeter players got a lot of pub and got a lot of stats and got a lot of attention. Uh, but the defensive system we played couldn't have been any good without really physical guys at the defensive tackle spots where he played. You know, I kind of always kind of felt like they were the cornerstones, the tackles and the inside linebackers, but they didn't always have all the stats and the, the recognition that the other position played just from the nature of the scheme. So he was just just a tremendous, uh, tremendously important player to us during those times when we were playing so well. Hey, Coach, it's uh, Wes Mitchell. Uh, great to hear from you, man. How you been doing? Doing okay. Yeah, Coach, so, uh, again, appreciate you doing this. Um, as a guy who's coached at every level, I wanted to ask you, as Travian, like you said, he's kind of gone off, done his own thing, worked his way up kind of through that proverbial coaching ladder. Um, what do you think will be the biggest differences or adjustments for him now um, developing and really recruiting guys uh, at the SEC level where you're going to face, obviously, um, the best uh, kind of across the board? Yeah, I don't think anything will change as far as the actual uh, you know, method of coaching and recruiting and so forth. Uh, and that year at Tulane, I mean, that's, that's a – Big time football program. I'm sure they were recruiting against some of the other Power Five teams that were in that area. But uh, I think that the day to day, week to week, year to year recruiting is probably going to be the biggest change. He'll he'll handle it just fine, and I, cause I know he'll do a great job with it. He's probably uh, developed some great work habits at that, just like he did as a player. So he won't have any problem with that. Uh, that that's always been my feeling about the SEC is it's a players' conference not a coach's conference. And I'm not diminishing the importance of player development and coaching and, and schemes and motivation and all the other things that go along with coaching, but you, you have got to have great players in the SEC. You, you just can't out-coach people and win consistently. So I think recruiting becomes paramount, and I think he'll be absolutely fabulous. He'll be a great representative of South Carolina because he not only played there, he actually coached there too. Uh, going back to what you said a moment ago about his days as a player where you saw that 
maturity and leadership. Did you know then that he would probably end up making a good coach down the line? If I would have thought he wanted to, I would have. I would have thought so. I did not know he had any interest in coaching. Never, never have talked to him that much about it. But it doesn't surprise me now when I look back on the type of player he was and the way he handled himself. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a guy that had he not become a coach, it would have been a, a big loss for somebody because I just think it's going to be a tremendous career for him. It's already off to a great start. Coach, when you, uh, I, I know that you, in your career, coached under a lot of different guys. You were a head coach, a coordinator, a position coach, and you had you know, Bobby Ross, who you played for, and, um, you know, Steve Spurrier. You had Sylvester Cream. I mean, all sorts of coaches from a lots of different backgrounds. So, when you think about Travian playing under Brad Lawing, still relatively an inexperienced guy, but but what do you think a young coach can take from the person that they were coached by at the college level, if that makes sense? Do you do you feel like he's probably going to take some of the things that he learned on the field from Brad Lawing and be able to use them for himself when he's developing his players? I would think so. That might be a better question for him. I know – my early uh, career as a young coach, the way I organized my meetings and the way I taught, you know, on the field and the, I mean, off the field in the skull sessions, if you will, in the chalk sessions, and then taking it onto the field to set up drills and organize. Those are things that a young coach uh, really doesn't know how to do, obviously. And they're going to draw upon who they work for, or who they play for. And uh, my linebacker coach, Charlie Rizzo, uh, Probably not that well known by a lot of folks, but I've always one of the best teachers, one of the best football coaches I was around. And, uh, you know, as you said, the head coach was Bobby Ross, just as meticulous in attention to detail as anybody I've ever been around. I learned as much football one year of student coaching under him than I did the next 10 years of my career. Uh, and, and Frank Beamer, Shane's dad, was one of our coaches. And he was one of my favorite coaches of all time. He coached our secondary. He was a really great teacher. And they all were different in their own way. Different personalities, different way to approach and handle players and so forth. And they they all coached, you know, from the standpoint of who they are. And that's what Travion or any other coach has got to do. You've got to be yourself first. But I I guarantee you Brad Lawing would have a tremendous uh, influence and effect on how Travion handles things. You know, you can coach in a different system, and you're not teaching the same techniques. You've got to teach a little different technique. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about the way you handle players and your organization and, you, and you know, your discipline and the other things that you do as a coach other than just putting in a certain technique. Coach, uh, speaking of the organization, um, I, I don't know how much uh, you have or haven't been around the South Carolina program or how much you've kind of been paying attention in the last couple of years, but just from your perspective, um, what have you kind of observed um, just from, from Coach Beamer and the program and kind of uh, the momentum that they've been able to start to build these last couple of years? Yeah, I really have been detached and, and haven't been keeping up with recruiting, haven't been really keeping up with teams. I don't follow teams that much anymore. Uh, and my son was a senior this year, so he got to come over for some games. He went to their camps. And I was able to kind of, you know, reconnect some of the guys and chat with them and everything. But I really don't know anything about the program as far as the depth chart or recruiting to any degree of 
detail. Uh, the two things I would say jump out at me, you know, both seasons started off kind of rocky and and finished very on a positive note. And and I think that's got to be a credit to Coach Bain, to Shane, and of course the staff too, but they're an extension of him. Uh, so I look at that, and that's one of the main things that really jump out at me. And you have to do a heck of a job when you've got a locker room going through that much adversity and, and that much uh, constant doubt, some failure, some frustration. Even when they win a game, sometimes they play well. Those type of things can, can get out of hand. And I think he just did a masterful job of keeping everybody positive, everybody looking ahead, everybody uh, getting better and better and better each week. Uh, there were some teams that they beat that were supposedly better than they were during the course of the year. Those teams experienced some bad setbacks early in the year. I, I use Texas A&M just as an example. They probably had better talent in South Carolina, but they didn't get better as the year went on because they didn't handle the adversity they met early in the season and, and keep building from it or put it behind them. And, and South Carolina did. And you have to, you have to say that's a credit to shame. Uh, but that's the biggest thing that's jumped out at me on it. And so it's, a, it's something I think you can be very positive and optimistic about moving ahead. All right, Coach Johnson, thanks so much for <clears throat> taking a few minutes to talk to us. And uh, we're very excited to see what uh, Coach Robertson can do when the fall rolls around. Appreciate it, guys. I always enjoy talking about the former players. And I would encourage you to get Coach Lawing on there because I think he's a tremendous part of uh, Trajan's life, both as a coach and a person. Mm. We'll definitely have to see if Chris and Wes can pull those strings and make that happen. Uh, thanks so much again for joining us, Coach. Thank you. Appreciate it, Coach. All right, going to run to another timeout, come back and talk a little bit of the broader scape of college football as things are changing a little bit here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. All across the country, drivers are reaping the rewards of safer driving with the updated Drive Safe and Save app from State Farm. It has dynamic new features like interactive maps and driving tips, and it makes the pursuit of your discount even easier. You can, in fact, earn up to 30%. So just download the Drive Safe and Save app from State Farm to get started, or you can call or stop by your local State Farm agent's office, and they'll be happy to help you sign up you're wondering who your local State Farm agent is, I can tell you. It's Amy Mason Cup, 612 St. Andrews Road, just off I-26 at Ashland Park Plaza. When my family is looking to switch and save on our insurance, we turn to Amy. She and her team took care of the rest, everything from auto, business, boat, renter's life, any type of insurance, whatever your needs are. She and State Farm have you covered with personalized quotes and the Drive Safe and Save app. Give her a call, 803-772-5554 to learn more about it today or visit her website. That's amymasoncup.com. That's amy, M-A-S-I-N-C-U-P-P.com. Let Amy Mason Cup and her team help your family. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We finally learned what the schedule is going to look like for the 12-team college football playoff. We'll talk about it on the other side of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 
presented by Firehouse Subs <clears throat> here on 107.5 The Game. Thanks once again to Coach Ellis Johnson for joining us for a few minutes, talking about Coach Robertson as the new D-line coach here at South Carolina. I want to talk a little bit about this with you guys. Uh, the other day we learned the schedule for the first two years of the 12-team college football playoff, which of course means that the season will extend a little bit farther into January is where you're now having first round and quarterfinals in addition to the semifinals and the national championship game. And if you thought extending into January meant more college football on Saturdays, unfortunately that is not the case as the only Saturday games for this expanded college football playoff will take place in the first round. So you'll have one game on Friday night and three of the on-campus games Saturday, December the 21st, 2024. Everything else, including the semifinals, the second week in January, are going to be taking place on weeknights. And I feel like this is just kind of a tired argument at this point, but college football is a Saturday sport. I don't get why we keep avoiding Saturdays. And I, to a degree, get it because of the NFL schedule, but it's like, man, I don't think anybody wants to watch games on weeknights, especially games of this magnitude. Well, I'm just against Monday games. Um, <laughs> completely against Monday national title. Yeah. It's silly, ridiculous. Um, so what days of the week are we talking about here, Tyler? <clears throat> so for the first year of the college football playoff, expanded 12 teams, which will be in 2024, the first round, so you have the first, the top four seeds are going to get buys. Those all have to be conference champions. So seeds five through 12 will face each other in on, on campus first round games. So you have one game on Friday night, December the 20th, and then you'll have three games, you know, noon, four, and eight, I'm assuming, on that Saturday. That's the first round. Okay, then, that's good. Yeah, your quarterfinals are taking place on the normal New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. So you're going to have, for that year, uh, you're going to have the Fiesta Bowl on New Year's Eve. And then on New Year's Day, you're going to have the Peach, Rose, and Sugar Bowl at their normal a lot of times. Nothing out of the ordinary there. But the following week, and this is where things get kind of funny with this, because you're still using the bowl system for your semifinals. So you're now playing in that year the Orange and Cotton Bowl on Thursday, January the 9th and Friday, January the 10th respectively before playing your national championship on a Monday, January the 20th. I I don't think I'm that mad. I thir- Thursday actually, like to me, I remember Thursday, like especially when I was in, you know, high school, college, there used to be some pretty good Thursday night football games. So Thursday night, for me personally, is still a college football night. Friday night is obviously a high school football night. But I will take Friday night over a Monday 100 out of 100 times. So um, I get they, they don't want to go head-to-head with the NFL stuff, which is why you don't see the Saturday games as much. But the, the fact we got three Saturday games, the fact that there are going to be opening round playoff games on college campuses. This, for me, I think is a major win for the fans because I have always wanted to see playoff games where there's actual home field advantage because we ship the players, the programs, the teams, their fans. They may be all from the East Coast, and if it happens to fall the wrong way, we ship them out to the desert to play football (laughs) and it just makes no sense whatsoever when college football is built on pageantry and atmospheres and fan bases. Um, can can you imagine a college football playoff game 
in in Columbia, South Carolina. Like you, can you like if you're a fan, can you imagine? Can you imagine it in Clemson? Can you imagine Penn State with the whiteout thing they do for a college football playoff game? Um, can you imagine a blue blood playing a blue blood on a historic campus with not just the playoffs on the line? Like this is a playoff game. Like I, I think this is actually all in all a win for college football fans, and I'm here for it. So on that first, it is correct that that first Saturday, mm-hmm. because they would have had to do a lot of like wonky stuff, like move the season back or play those first round games, like on a Tuesday, they will be up against the NFL. Yes. On that Saturday, December 21st. Yes. Yeah, so the um, NFL starts playing their Saturday regular season games, usually like the week after conference yeah. championship games, because again, there's really no college football on. And up until New Year's, you're really only, you know, going up against like the low level bowl games and stuff like that. And Saturday, December 21st is usually like that first Saturday yeah. of bowl season where like the New Mexico Bowl, Las Vegas Bowl, and stuff like that. So, yes, for that Saturday, they would be going head to head. Now, again, this is over a year and a half away so the nfl schedule may look vastly different at that point in time where maybe they're only playing one game that day and it's a night or something like that but as of now that's the only head-to-head you'd have with the nfl as far as this goes and it'll be interesting to see the ratings for that you know because the argument is you know you if you're college football playoff you don't want to go head-to-head with the nfl but there's also you know i I read a piece recently by it was blake topmeyer of usa today or his own USA Today, where he he kind of gave the the whole like analogy of like the two competing drug stores, where mm. you see they're right across the street from each other. It's like, why don't you move down? But you kind of just plop down right next to somebody. So I would imagine. I mean, I can tell you how we'll handle it in my household. First of all, the college football playoffs can take priority. Of course, that's number one. Yeah. But if there's an NFL game I want to watch. You know, like if, uh, if Bryce Young and the Panthers happen to be playing that day, I'll just have a second TV or a third TV. However yeah. many TVs from our guys at Integrated Media, they'll, they'll probably help me do that. But um, I, the part I don't like about it is I don't really like the quarterfinal Wednesday games. I'm not in love with. Which, I mean, that's, that's still the it's traditional the tradi- yeah, New I Year's know. Eve, New Year's Day, though. Yeah, I know. But... Uh, what but it is new, but it, yeah, it's New Year. Yeah, it's, it's I, a holiday. I, I get, the, yeah, the, it's, it's a holiday, but like... The weirdest thing to me is the fact still. that we're going to play, there's still going to be the bowl games as the semifinals now a week and a half later. So in a couple of years, we're going to get a Rose Bowl on like Friday, January the 11th. And that was, that was actually one of the big hangups with going to the 12-team format is the Rose Bowl, of course, wanted to keep its usual yeah, New Year's Day, 2 o'clock local kickstart. And it's like, well, if you want to be a part of this, we can give you that three out of four years, but every fourth year, you're going to have to move a week and a half later. Yeah, and, and I, I reserve the right to change my position. Like, I, I realize that it, it is a holiday and it's a traditional, but like, I just, I don't like a college football playoff game played like early afternoon i just have a thing it like I, I like the games at night prime time like yeah that's just my personal preference even if it's traditionally been this even if it's a holiday i just like when you're like the college football playoff i feel like is more special like standalone but uh, that may be a dumb argument on my part see i, I like 
give give me the three games on the same day though, and let's play yes, let's play one like at that. noon, let's play one in the afternoon, and then play one prime so, time. So like I can't. I, my argument kind of stinks because if if I like the three games, that's really how you have to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah three games. You're not going to play at the same time. At the same time. And, yeah. and and college football is such a volume sport because on a typical Saturday you have. 60 some odd games you can watch over the course of you know 12 hours or something like that so as you get later on where there are fewer and fewer games it is it does feel a little bit weird when you only have it and you know for like the quarterfinal where you have fiesta bowl on new year's eve there's going to be other bowl games earlier on in that day but then you get to the semi uh, finals the next week and it's like well that's just the one game that's happening today as opposed to if you moved it to saturday you could have them in back to back like four to eight or something like that yeah i'm I'm gonna be honest, guys. I got I got no problems with any of this. Like I'm well, regardless, we're all I'm gonna here watch. for it. Like, I mean, whether yes, yes. whether it gets played at 9 a.m. on a Tuesday <laughs> morning or at 10 p.m. on a Friday night, we're gonna tune in and watch because we're ingrained in college football. 9 a.m. would not be ideal for you, Tyler. Uh, it'd be uh, kind of tough. I you'd mean, be trying to do your your show. Yeah, and you'd have the like your whole window of your nine to noon. Yeah, and well, I don't have a TV in here, so I'd be like streaming it on my laptop or my phone, and like I don't know how good my content would be that day because I'd be it so locked in on that. So you could uh, just like talk. I, I don't think this is legal, but you could just like do play by play. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't there. think. I don't think we're allowed to do that. Yeah, I don't think so either. You don't have the rights. Not the rights holder. But th- this first round of games. Like this first round weekend has an opportunity to be the best weekend of college sports, college football. I'm super excited about the playoff expanding because it just leaves the opportunity open for some crazy stuff to happen. And I'm interested uh, because that is typically the opening Saturday of bowl season that December the 21st. Like, will there be like those lower level bowl games still on? Are we just clearing the way completely for college football playoff? If you're one of those lower level bowls, you gotta you gotta move on over. I think no nobody is gonna watch the um, Gasparilla Bowl or whatever. You mean the Gildan New Mexico Bowl is not gonna take precedent over my you know Michigan playing host to uh, UCLA? Those will be the games on Tuesday night. I feel like, but Friday we got a Friday night and then three games on Saturday. It's gonna be a fun weekend. That is a great weekend. Absolutely. Well, we're still over a year and a half away from it, but uh, certainly plenty of time to talk about it and look forward to it. But the college football playoff is expanding, whether you're a fan of it or not. We'll come right back and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs here at 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. Yeah, we mentioned all the action that's going to be taking place in college football once things do expand out to more teams, and that'll be exciting. You want to make sure, that's still a ways away, guys, obviously, but it's it's never too early to think ahead, and you do want to make sure that your home theater setup is optimal, um, even for this coming football season. And even if it's not optimal yet, you can get that done with our guys at Integrated Media. If it's something as simple as just mounting a TV, making sure you have a good sound bar, surround sound system, to an entire smart home system, home theater, man cave, whatever you need to get done, give our guys at Integrated Media, Michael and Nathan, a call. It's 803-948-8327. Again, smart homes, home theater, audio video, something as simple as a TV installation, something as complex as a security system for your home, integratedmediainc.com. They can take care of all of it for you. They've been out to my home several times. Give them a call. See what they can do for yours. If you need some inspiration, if you know you want to upgrade but you're not sure how, 
integrated underscore media underscore Columbia on Instagram. Check them out on Facebook too. That's Michael and Nathan and the team at Integrated Media, 803-948-8327. We'll wrap up today uh, on the other side. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, 107.5 The Game. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecocks Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs here on 107.5 The Game. A couple more minutes to go here. Uh, I, I did want to talk about last night's South Carolina baseball game where they picked up the 6-1 win over Winthrop, but... As I saw in our break here, we've got some breaking news in the world of SEC baseball as Alabama has just fired their head coach, Brad Bohannon, uh, amidst this weird story that came out the other day involving betting on the LSU-Alabama game on Friday night. It turns out he uh, was uh, at the center of this. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to speak on it because I don't know, but obviously if you fire a dude then there are some issues. So, um, and it's, what, Thursday morning? This obviously is related to stuff other than sports. And uh, the so the headline on AL.com says, Alabama firing baseball coach Brad Buhanan amid betting probe. So this is, uh, I, again, I don't, we don't know the details yet, but um, it's insane. Greg Byrne, the athletics director at Alabama, in his statement said he was let go, quote, for, among other things, <laughs> violating the standards, duties, and responsibilities expected of university employees, unquote. And among other things. Yeah, so there's more details to this stuff to come out. The, the story itself just seemed weird all around because it, it related to the state of Ohio, and it was a suspic- two suspicious bets, one of them placed... Um, one of them was a parlay, and one of them was a straight up. Towards the end of this game, and, and South and uh, correction, Alabama scored, I think five runs in like the last two innings that closed the gap. It was an eight-one game. They ended up losing the game eight to six. Um, and, and there was so much that was being left out of this report the other day. We knew there was more to come, and uh, I I didn't see this coming, but here we are. He also uh, Bohannon and some other staff members, this according to AL or Nola dot com. Um, a former Alabama baseball player had actually filed a lawsuit against them last month for related to basically to the handling of an injury. So it could be, I'm sure more details will continue coming out in the next hours, next several days, but there was a former player lawsuit too. So it could be that they've uncovered just a few different things here, but yeah. very strange situation in Tuscaloosa. Well, I can definitely say this is probably one of those fired with cause situations. Uh, um, I don't think they'll have to worry uh, about his buyout. I, th- I think that will probably be their argument. Well, you got to you got to prove the cause. But how, how about just to add insanity to this? Um, the fact that according to ESPN, the bets in question were placed at Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. Um, the Reds were on a road trip at the time. So, how how was that? Like they were placed at 
Well, they have a sports book. They have a little sports book yeah, up there. So okay. even yeah. when the Reds aren't playing, you can still go there and watch games and place I mean, bets and stuff. Were, were they? Was Coach like phoning in stuff to somebody in in Cincy? I mean, what? I mean, you would have to at that point, right? Because he's clearly in the dugout during the game. So like texting somebody or it's fascinating. He he's at he's at the center of this somehow. I mean, this this is. There's too much for me to process right now on air, I feel like, but the fact that um, this even got caught, you know, that they that it got flagged, first of all, actually kind of impressive. Somebody was obviously doing their job. and um, But, it, I mean, I, I don't even want to go there yet. I want to I see what actually happened. Because oh, that- if, if my man was, like, wagering on a game he was coaching in, whew. Yeah, that's, uh, that's about it's ugly. Um, the more details will be coming out of this within the next, hopefully, 24 hours. And whatever we find out, we can certainly it, dive into a little bit more. Uh, this is where we tomorrow. just say the word allegedly. 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 Yes. Allegedly. allegedly. Yes. So uh, we'll keep According our eyes to on reports. it. And if anything else comes out, we can break that down on tomorrow's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Halftime show with Jane Terry coming up next right here on 107.5 The Game.